a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you. We are taking your calls. Phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about when we can start pruning. Okay. So I put together an article that I forwarded to Michelle, our Uber super producer mm-hmm. and it'll be up probably later today or later this week but i is still a bit early to start pruning a lot of things and the exception will be over the next few weeks are shade trees oh but shade trees don't often need to be pruned <laughs> and when we do we oftentimes do more damage than good because we don't know what we're doing right so i would not attempt to prune a shade tree no. And they're best pruned when they're young to get their form how you want them so the branches are growing where you want and then let them go. Because even though they have branches inside the canopy, most of the time it's okay. They don't need to be opened up for airflow. You know, a few trees that have powdery mildew problems that may help a bit, but they are not fruit trees. We manage fruit trees to maximize fruit production and maximize how easy it is to pick. And a shade tree is there for shade. So what I recommend people do are choose trees that are not going to get too big to start. I know that when you go into a garden center, it's really easy to say, oh, this one looks really pretty in the pot and not look at how big it gets. And even if you look and say it says 50 by 40 feet, we don't, we can't picture in our mind how big that will be. And so I always tell people take stack basketball hoops because a basketball hoop is 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And if you stacked five of them on top of each other and five of them sideways, that's how big that tree will get. Hmm. And so choose the tree correctly. And the, when I, recommend people prune shade trees it is because they have diseased or dead wood i was gonna say dead branches yeah and those can come out anytime and then branches that cause hazards so if there's a branch branch blocking views of people and uh you know it's a danger backing out of your driveway or people coming around the corner or you know i've seen branches growing over sidewalks that people will hit their head on or something those can come out at any time, but there's oftentimes not a good reason to prune shade trees, but mid-January on those. And so our fruit trees are next, and the apples and pears are mid-February. And the reason we do them in mid-February is because it is still cold enough that you are minimizing the risk of spreading a disease called fire blight. And the fire blight, if it gets in there, it's trouble. 
And so it's still too cold and the fireplace dormant. And even if you've had a history of it, you sterilize your pruners. But that's why we prune the apples and pears then. And they'll tolerate being pruned in colder temperatures. And then in mid-March is when we do the fruit trees, the other fruit trees. So any of the stone fruits like peaches, plums, cherries, all of those get pruned in mid-March and then the roses are pruned in mid-March also if they're the type of rose that you would cut and bring into your house as a flower display. So floribundas, grandifloras, the hybrid teas, bush roses can be pruned then, but you need to be a little careful. If your bush roses repeat bloom, you can just give them a haircut. But if your bush roses only get one set of blossoms a year, you need to wait until they're done blooming and then the week after give them a haircut then. So, okay. Now you're talking about pruning, yes. but people are thinking when, when's the earliest treatment for fruit trees? So we don't even start treating fruit trees usually until mid to late March. That would be what's called the delayed dormant spray. And what we're trying to do is time that so that you see a lot of bud swell. And so over the next several weeks, even in January, you'll see, you'll start to see the buds form and push and develop and get bigger. And you want to time that delayed dormant spray so that the buds are still closed, but as close to opening as you can get them without them being open. So right. you're just kind of playing chicken with a tree a little bit because that dormant oil is sprayed then because the spider mites and the aphids and other piercing sucking insects are breaking dormancy to attack the tree. Diseases are breaking dormancy that that spray like the uh, powdery mildew about that time. And so we try to get that in mid to late March to get the maximum effect. And so that would be the first treatment. Okay, our next listener wants to know about my window. Do I have a window in my garage? Because I was talking about I store my geraniums over the winter, my big pots in the garage. And, yes, I do have a very large window. It's a pop-out window, and so it has, like, a shelf, and I've put actually a rack. Um, It actually has um, two windows, just the garage-level window and then the upper-floor window that has, like, a big half-moon window in it and I kind of treat it like a mini greenhouse in the winter so I'm always mad when somebody leaves the garage door open and it's really super cold outside Um, but I have in my garage my geraniums big pots of geraniums and then this year I have some succulents because I planted succulents that aren't hardy in some uh, I have like a big shell that I planted succulents and I want them to live so those are in the garage and they're doing great and then I took some starts so some of my non-hardy succulents um, produced very well, and I thought, well, I'm going to take a few cuttings from those, and put I put some in the garage, and I put some in my terrarium, and I put some just inside my house that I planted in pots in my house just to see which ones would do well, which ones would live, and which ones wouldn't. And um, so far, they're all looking pretty good. <laughs> I might just have a ton of <laughs> these non-hardy succulents in my yard. I had put... I'd put succulents in my pots on my front porch this year just because I wanted to see how they would do in comparison to annuals. And they did really well even on that west-facing um, porch. So, Yeah, they're, the succulents, I think, are underrated for their durability and their beauty. You know, there are many hardy succulents that we can use. You know, the, mainly the upright stone crops or sedums. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they will usually be summer to fall bloomers. For the upright ones, there are some others out there that we can grow, but hens and chicks, there's there's a few of them out there that do really well that are underrated, but even the ones that you have to keep from freezing are fun and really easy to take care of. Mm-hmm. I had planted some uh, curly leaf succulents and I can't remember the variety, so I was kind of trying to look them up here. But they just did so well, and they were so beautiful. Um, a couple of the bigger ones I put in a big, big pots inside my house, and then, uh, but they they produced a lot of little babies. So I thought I'm going to try and take these little chicks and and plant those and see how they do. So we'll see how it all turns out. The ones in the terrarium actually doing the least well. Yeah, it, it's funny how that works out sometimes because the terrarium's like the stereotypical place you put them. The I just talked to somebody the other day, and I wish I could remember who it was. And they were horticulturists, and they said, like, well, I decided to get into succulents, and I found a bunch on clearance. And so I've divided them, and I put them in cactus mix. And they were like, I was expecting probably half to succeed, but mm-hmm. they said I have had almost 100% success. I'm going to say one has died, so I'm at 99% right yeah. now. Yeah. But they're fun. I mean, it's just an experiment. I know they they might not live, and I'm just having fun with them and, you know, try to make sure that they're hardened off after yeah. I clip them so they kind of scab over before I put them back in the, you know, the cactus soil. And they're just kind of fun, and it kind of gives me something to watch over in the in the winter when I'm not watching over my yard. Gives you something to de-stress about. Well, it's just total psychology. It's just mental health treatment, right? That's how I relax, right? De-stress and just kind of enjoy the beauty of nature. Yeah. Sheridan just confirmed for next week. So she'll be talking about a number of things. Her philosophy of planting vegetables. Vegetables as compared to the curmudgeon. I just want most the most vegetables and... (laughs) You're the practical, and she's the one that's looking for the most. The beauty unique. and the art, and the right. the just the uniqueness of it. Talking about, we'll be talking next week about starting vegetables indoors, also with her. And I, I'll text her back. But if she's listening, ten o'clock would probably be a great hour. So, all right, number to call with your questions eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can also text us at five seven five zero zero. I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you for this final 12 minutes of the show. Number to call. The phone lines are open. 801-575-8255. We do have a couple of texts here. Uh, next listener wants to know, Ton, do we collect scions for grafting before bud swell? 
you can collect them now. Right? So I, the only the only tree I recommend in the fruit trees people do grafting on, well, there might be two pears and apples mm-hmm. because they're easy. If you try to graft into stone fruits, it is incredibly difficult, especially if you don't have experience. And so for the apples, which are most commonly uh, trees that we bud and graft, you actually collect the budwood or the scion wood now. And what you're looking for are the sucker sprouts, those ones that go clear up in the air, six or seven feet. And you clip those out of the tree and you want scion wood that is about the width of a pencil and you cut it to be about as long as a pencil. Mm -hmm. So from there, you can get a bundle of them and then wrap that in wet paper towels and put it inside a gallon Ziploc. And then what I like to do is take a popsicle stick with a variety, whether it's Golden Delicious or Carousel or whatever. I write on the popsicle stick and put that in the bundle, but then I also write on the bag. So I have two identifiers on it. And then that bag goes into a refrigerator for several weeks until you're ready to graft. And I usually like to start grafting sometime in mid to late April when a lot of danger of frost is gone. And then we're using a grafting tool like an Omega grafter that does the cuts for you. You usually as a hobbyist can get 70 or 80% success. Mm -hmm. You can order rootstocks online. USU will be offering some grafting classes and, in the spring also, but that's what I would recommend. Okay. Justin is on the line in Orem. Good morning, Justin. What is your question? Uh, So I bought a Meyer lemon tree, just a small one that we were going to keep in our house, but it keeps getting the little red, tiny spider mite type things on it that uh, are causing it problems. And I've tried several different sprays that I've picked up at the, the the local stores that Home Depot knows. And, uh, I can't seem to get rid of them. And when you I'm spray, point, does it suppress them? Uh, I would say only for probably a day or two. It's almost like they, you know, laid eggs inside the the plant, and when I spray, it doesn't seem to have yeah, a they lay you know, a eggs lasting effect on the plant surface, but in fissures in the bark where it is harder to get to. So the way to use those is you have to be very consistent and spray two or three times a week for several weeks before you uh, really okay. start to get after them because they will yeah. spread. Okay. All right. Great. We'll, All right, Justin. We'll proceed forward. Thank you. Great. Thanks for your call. A next listener wants to know when do they prune ornamental crab apples? The question is, is do you need to? Because we're not going after fruit production you need to ask yourself why you're pruning. But well, mid- my branch hangs yes. over the driveway, so I yeah. prune that So safety. One, so right? mid-February right. is when you would prune them. But really, with her being ornamental, ask yourself why you're pruning. And if there's a good reason, then go ahead and do it. But the ornamentals just don't need to be pruned nearly as much as what we do our fruit trees. Okay. Jay is on the line in South Ogden. Good morning, Jay. What is your question? Good morning. Yeah, my roses have not lost their leaves this winter like they have in previous winters. Maybe it was because of the early snow, but is there something we could do, or are they just leave them alone, or what do we do? Leave them alone. Cut them back enough so that snow doesn't split them. But do your main pruning in mid-March, and hopefully, especially with all the snow we've gotten, they'll be okay. Okay. 
Thank you. All right, Jay, thanks for your call this morning. So do you think those leaves will die eventually and fall off? They'll or they eventually just gonna... fall off, but losing leaves is a physiological process, and roses are among the last plants to lose leaves, especially the hybrid tea. And I've seen hybrid tea roses still blooming in mid-November in protected spots in Utah. So because they don't go dormant very quickly, if we go from the 60s, 50s, and 60s, like we're in, down into the 20s and 30s, a lot of times those leaves get frozen to the branches. Fortunately, most of our plants produce secondary and even tertiary buds and will regrow, and the roses will do that. But it's just one of those things they got caught too early and it's just now be patient and hopefully they'll be fine. I had a couple of hybrid, I do have a couple of hybrid tea roses. They still have their leaves on them. Well, they did before they were totally buried in snow anyway. And even, um, sorry about that. Even, um, the, the other roses I have still have all their leaves on them too. Yeah. And you've got a 90 or 95% chance they'll be okay. You know, especially with all the snow, the best thing for roses is snow cover. Because it keeps the roses right at 32 degrees and they'll overwinter really well. The worst you can do to a rose is dry soil, no snow, and sub-zero weather. Hmm. And so, especially in colder areas, we always recommend that people get bark mulch, like a medium chunk bark, and pile it up around the base of the rose six to inches to a foot high so that you have branches underneath that bark that are protected enough that the roses can regenerate from even a few buds on the lower branches. I'm always amazed at how long roses live. I planted roses 30 years ago and they still are thriving. Yeah, there are a lot of roses that do well here. You know, the uh, peace roses, there's several of those. Mr. Lincoln, you know, there are many of them that are fairly long lived. And we're actually lucky with that because, like, if you were to move to the south, you know, a rose there, you might get three to four years out of it before it has so many diseases that you have to pull it out and put a new one in. It's just our dry summers really help protect those roses. They don't like the extra hot weather, though. They, they don't. stop producing flowers they when it don't. gets too hot. But other than that, roses are beautiful. They really are. My granddad was a rosarian, the same one with the shovel, and he had them all over his yard. You know, Everywhere he could put roses, he put them in, and that was his hobby, was to go out and clip them every day. And I noticed that the roses that got a little bit more shade during the middle of the summer were the ones blooming the most through the summer. Yeah. It used to be before yards got so contemporary, they always said a formal home with, you know, those mansions always had a formal rose garden. Yes. And it was something that, you know, it hasn't been forgotten, but in, through the 30s, 40s, 50s, even in the 60s, a well cultured person oftentimes was a member of the Rose Society, the Daylily Society, the Begonia Society. You know, there were several plant societies out there and you would meet as a club and compare notes and help each other out. And those are still around, but they don't seem to be as popular as they were during that time. Yeah. If you see uh, many of the contemporary landscape designs now, you, I don't, I rarely see a rose bush no. in them. No, the Whatever that is behind us has one in front. The it's not the 
is Vivint. Vivint. I, I was stuck on Delta Center, for <laughs> how old I am, but Vivint, little change again, Vivint Arena has a rose garden in front of it. Down in Nephi, they have a pretty good rose garden near their city building, and then Thanksgiving Point has one that is well-maintained, too. Well, it's one of those plants that blooms all summer long, and so I've always enjoyed them. But I have to say, even my roses are just along the driveway. Yeah. I don't have them throughout yeah. my – well, I have one in the back, but, you know. Yeah, it's one of those things. You need a little bit of time, but they're very fulfilling. All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning for the KSL Greenhouse Show. If you're just tuning in, the 8 o'clock hour, what was our plant of the week? Our plant of the week this the week – Snake plant. Yeah, and next week it's going to be spider Spider plant. Spider plant. So you want to listen next week at 8 o'clock for that in the morning. We also talked about uh, taking care of your tools. This is a good time to get them ship shape for the coming season. And we talked about catalogs and discerning when you're planting your seeds. Ton, have a great weekend. You have a great week, too. All right. Thanks for joining us. And we will be back again next week, 8 o'clock, 8 to 11, KSL Greenhouse Show. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.